3: Your Good, morning. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Tuesday.
0: Happy Tuesday, the seventeenth of July. Oh my God, I'm nearly thirty. <laughs> okay, calm <What>? down. <laughs> you literally just. Yeah. Time is ticking. Time is <laughs> ticking. What's happening?
3: Well, we we're just talking off air about this idea of sometimes you might forgo your feminism mm. because you're in it for the t- greater good for the greater good exactly <laughs> exactly Slash
0: we live in a patriarchal white supremacist society yes. and yeah how how much do you have to play the game yes mm. exactly so um.
3: my my example that sparked this was being at a house inspection And having uh, the real estate agent there being obviously flirtatious with me and going along with it because I thought it might actually be useful to get this house. Mm. And I feel
0: guilty. But we've all been there. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And it's hard, isn't it? So you feel guilty because, like, it's gross, firstly. And because you're, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You're betraying your feminist principles because you don't want to do things like that because you are a feminist and blah 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 however men created the society we live in men dictate so much of like means of production and of things that we need i.e houses Mm -hmm. jobs job (sighs) literally taxis (laughs) but yeah no (laughs) food like literally and yeah go for it we've got we've literally got 90 minutes (laughs) But, yeah, it's it's hard, isn't it? Yeah,
3: because you're, I mean, when you you do, you know a lot about feminism, you know exactly what's going on, right? Mm -hmm. So in that moment, I'm like, I'm allowing myself to be objectified, Mm -hmm. to be sexualized, Mm -hmm. to have someone kind of leer at me in this creepy way. And when usually I would be in a situation to challenge that or just ignore it or avoid it, in this case, it's like, actually, this dynamic – actually could benefit me mm. but allowing myself
0: to be seen
3: and treated in that way
0: mm. it's so complex and then is it like are you flipping it and are you using <laughs> yeah. his vulnerability of being you know a sex crazy male are you flipping that and are you taking the power back yeah like probably not <laughs> no. but- <laughs> because
3: you're reinforcing those yes th- Dynamics, but you potentially are benefiting from it.
0: Totally. It's such a hard question. I fully do this all the time. Law is such a man's oh. world. Right. Yeah. And like, you know, my parents don't have friends who are lawyers. Like, I never knew... And Before I started working in law firms, I'd never met a lawyer. Mm. So I kind of just had to... And I think you're the same. Like, Australia is not where you went to high school and stuff, so your connections yeah, I had are, to start from zero. Yeah, yeah. and so networking yeah. is... Unfortunately, in the law, mm. there's a lot of great women in the law who are super keen to mentor you and help you out and stuff. But mm. there's a lot of men who you just flirt with mm. or you just make sure that you're wearing makeup. Or yeah. There are also women
4: yeah. who have given me the same advice to, you know, check yes. on a pair of heels. and yeah. Some, Like, yeah, it, it's a thing in the law, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you have to do it.
3: Yeah. My friend works as a lawyer and she's had the exact same experience, like mm. been been told to wear high heels and, yeah, just having to really like play that role of the feminine woman so you don't challenge men in that space. Yeah. And she can get what she wants if she is, is like the cute, kind, happy, like feminine person.
0: Mm. Mm. And then I'm just going to take this one step further. And people say that like would the world be different if women ran the world and blah, blah, blah that idea of being cute and feminine and charming and whatever that's that is the characteristic of women in business and women in industry that has been put upon us by patriarchy i'd be interested to see if women would be any different yes if you know if we run yeah i was going to swear if we run things. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well this is clearly a topic to oh, I know. Yeah. You shouldn't have given us a two minute limit. I know. <laughs> if you're listening and you have had a similar experience of mm. having to put some of your morals aside, um, at least you know that there are other people out there doing the same. <laughs> yeah. Oh <my laughs> Bad gosh. feminists. But we'd also like to hear Which about it. Which is a great it. book,
0: by the way. Yeah. Incredible book. Yeah. Yes. Please read it. Yeah. yeah and get in touch. Tell us all. Yeah. Tweet actually, at us. Yeah. We might, we might like to do a bit of a call-in on this one day. Yeah, mm. absolutely.
3: All right. So let's jump into some news headlines. Let's do it. Amnesty International welcomes the recommendation put forward from a review of Queensland, Queens, Queensland's youth justice system that the focus must be on prevention and diversion programs. However, Amnesty calls on the Queensland Government to recognise and address the overrepresentation of Indigenous kids in the system and raise the age of criminal responsibility to 14. The review was led by former Police Commissioner Bob Atkinson, who released, the, who released his recommendations last week. In response, Amnesty International Indigenous rights campaigner Belinda Lowe recommends, welcomed the recommendation stating that Queensland's youth prisons are overflowing. More than 80% of kids locked up haven't even been sentenced yet, and Indigenous kids are 30 times more likely to be locked up than their non-Indigenous peers. It's outrageous. A 30-year-old Tamil asylum seeker, Philipan, Pan, faces permanent separation from his wife and 10-month-old daughter after receiving a deportation notice on Friday. He could be removed early this week. Philippan arrived in Australia in 2012 after being tortured by Sri Lankan security forces and forced to admit being a Tamil, uh, sorry, uh, a member of the Tigers, Tamil Tigers. His future partner arrived in Australia separately in 2012 and they were married a couple of years ago. Yet Philippen was taken into immigration detention early this year, and he has been detained in Villawood Centre ever since. Uh, the Australian government. Trump's Trump when it comes to breaking up families, a Tamil Refugee Council spokesperson said. And so the Tamil Refugee Council is calling for Filipen's deportation to be stopped, the release of Filipen into the community to join his wife and children, the granting of a protection visa for him and an end to, to Tamil deportations. I was actually trying to find an update about... Um, Priya and Nadas yesterday, but there's no information online. It's all, like, a couple of weeks old. I'm not quite sure if either of you have seen the latest, the no. status of, yeah. But I assume that if they had been deported, we would know about it. So maybe um, not. I think they're still
4: in well, detention. Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
3: So I have to keep checking on that. Yeah. 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 All right. Al Jazeera has reported that around 150 people were killed in Pakistan in a suicide attack at a political rally. It's it's the third deadliest attack in Pakistan's history. Both Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant and a faction of the Pakistan Taliban have claimed responsibility for the attack. It's also the third incident where people have been murdered relating to the election in this week. A video has just been released of an Aboriginal man, David Dungy's final moments before dying in custody in December 2015. It was shown at the inquest into his death, where he was being held in the hospital section of Long Bay Prison in Sydney. Dungy repeatedly said he couldn't breathe, to which guards responded, If you can talk, you can breathe. The Commissioner of Corrective Services told the court that it is a misconception that a restrained person who can talk must be able to breathe. You can follow more of this story on The Guardian's podcast, Breathless, and if you do watch the video, just a warning, it is extremely uh, graphic. That's all for
0: news this morning. Well, that was awful. Thanks, George. Um, Do you want to play your Jira video? Yes. Hmm
3: but I don't have access to the internet, (laughs) so I might have to pass this over to you. Um, (laughs) So I'll just introduce that, actually. Um, So JIRA, the Aboriginal Family Violence Prevention and Legal Service, has launched a campaign called Hidden Figures in conjunction with NAIDOC in their theme, Because of Her We Can. So it's actually a video, but we're going to play it, and I think the audio still really gets across the message. Mm, It's a great video.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. Mm. So sorry, the internet is down at 3CR this so I'm just personal hotspotting. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Technology. <big> <laughs> <laughs> also, to anybody who may have been listening before our show, apologies right. for yes. the actual radio silence. We're not quite sure yes. what happened. Um, if you enjoyed the music when the silence eventually broke, you were listening to a song called "World Without Hatred" by Les Thomas. <laughs> yes. That was helpfully uploaded onto our central computer system. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um,
3: and then we heard from a few songs by Tash, and then another track by Ocean.
0: <laughs> yes, and, and we apologise for that, but thank you for bearing with 3CR Community Radio at its finest. Um, oh, come Alright. Maybe we should go to a song. No, no, it's, oh, cool. Here we go.
5: Me, it's about her. As
1: magistrates, lawyers, barristers,
5: CEOs, we are often told that we are champions for equality. Advocates for justice.
1: That we are leaders. But it is because of her
5: that I am where I am today. As Aboriginal women, we are often viewed as just one thing.
1: But we are not victims. And we are not just leaders.
0: We are Aboriginal women. Jira celebrates aboriginal women for just being aboriginal women. Jira celebrates all aboriginal
5: women. Those in the spotlight. And those hidden in the shadows. Because of you, we will. We do. We have to. Because of her, we can. I'm Maurice
2: and I'm Mario and we're Chronically Chronically Chilled, Chilled. a program that aims to provide a platform to those living with chronic and invisible illness as well as exploring topics that impact on our daily lives. Listen
4: to Chronically Chilled the first Wednesday of every month
3: at 6pm. Hi, my name's Sarah. I love coming here
0: because they offer vegan food.
2: Hi, my name is Paul. This is my first time at Friends of the Earth. I think it's really awesome and the food's great and really healthy and nutritious. La,
6: la, 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 Friends of the Earth Food Co-op,
5: 312 Smith Street, Collingwood. A tuneful experience.
1: A 3CR supporter. 3CR are selling kafir Go to 3cr.org.au slash shop to buy online or drop into the station during business hours.
0: Uh, This next little ditty, nitty gritty, oh no, it's not funny, (laughs) it goes out to Louise Maxwell. Some folks know about
3: So, today we're talking about the My Health Record, which is an online summary of people's health information, um, which they can choose to opt out of by October 15th. Um, And so, otherwise, a record will automatically be created, so any sort of health information for various health professionals to access. Um, The project aims to give patients and doctors access to timely medical information, test results, referral letters, organ donation information. Uh, But, of course, there are concerns about the safety of some of this sort of personal and sensitive data. Mm. What are your thoughts?
0: Mm. Well, you know me. My tinfoil hat (laughs) is (laughs) voluntarily quivering. (laughs) (laughs) But, no, but, like, really... The government has not proven that they can um, safely hold our personal data at all anyway. Yes. Medicare, Centrelink, like nothing is, well, nothing is sacred, but nothing is secure. Mm. Um, there's no information about heightened security for this incredibly sensitive data. And also, um, I th- one of the biggest concerns I've seen is that this isn't necessarily a fulsome or accurate record either. So you can elect to have, if you don't opt out and you're automatically opted in, then you can ask your doctor not to include certain things in your record or to include certain things. And so there's a lot of concern around if people are relying on it as some kind of fulsome, accurate Mm. record, and there's things missing, or there's inaccurate diagnoses, or there's, you know, medication that you were on 10 years ago and nothing since then or whatever, what is the potential for this to end up being relied on and it's inaccurate? Right. Yeah, my biggest concern is around the government having access to more of my data. But, like, Mm -hmm. there's also that. So you can pick and choose what information
4: goes on your record. Yes.
3: Yes, Yes. basically. And also you can see who has looked at it and when. And you have Mm -hmm. access to all the information that the health professionals have. So there are ways that it it, it does seem quite transparent.
0: Um, Well, sure. But what happens when you log in and you see that a bunch of insurance companies or... Um, you know, public-private partnership, like, government-owned enterprises or whatever have accessed it, you're too late. Like, yeah. sure, mm-hmm. you can see that they've accessed it, but they've already accessed it. Yeah. And there's no built-in, you know, classic federal government, there's no built-in guarantee that the information won't be used for any particular purpose. Like, Well, they've no said
3: that it that it, they they have that it, they've mentioned something like it will be used for secondary purposes which is research mm. so they have acknowledged that it will be used for other things Mm-mm. exactly but then said yeah it's not going to be misused mm. but then there was um there were in some of these articles they were talking about how medicare records have been like taken and, like from the dark net or something yeah. so mm-hmm. so you There's know that's happened before what's to say this isn't going to exactly. happen again i mm-hmm. think
4: my concern was that um there was something in the article about how if the information is used in um, in, in the wrong way or whatever, civil and criminal penalties may apply. May. Um, mm. And I just think we need to figure that out before any of this yes. happens.
0: Because once it has happened, then what? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And who, who is to define what misuse is? Mm. Yeah. Um, and maybe just to be a bit of a, like, you know, for balance... Some people have said that they would prefer um, the, all of their health records to be streamlined and all of their, mm. especially people who, for example, have like a number of children or yeah. chronic illness yeah. or those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are people who think this is a good idea or who, who think it might work well.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was talking to my mum. My mum's mom, a pharmacist and she's had to do a little module on mm. this before it comes in. And from her perspective, she gets a lot of calls from staff in emergency uh, services and uh, from pharmacies and hospitals calling up because there's a patient that's come in, mm. they might not be able to speak, mm. and they need to know what medication mm. that patient's on. Mm. And so from that perspective, if it's, a, if it's a time thing, you've got someone who's just come into um, the emergency department and they need to be treated, having mm. access to their records in that instance, straight away, you can definitely see the advantages mm. of that and why
0: that might be necessary. Yeah. Mm. I just don't trust them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just, I just don't. Yeah. I, I don't want, and especially like, you just don't know what is going to become an issue and when. And so, mm. you know, for people like with mental health, sex worker user. community yeah. is very right in yeah. this that there is a billion ways that their health records could be used against mm. them. People who are HIV positive, people yes. who yeah. have been drug users, try getting Centrelink if you've been a drug user. Like, oh, forget it. Mm. You know. Mm or if you if you're taking antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication mm. and that gets sold to a potential employer in the future or yeah like i don't even okay i think i'm i think i'm i need to calm down a bit
4: <laughs> <laughs> but if you do feel like lauren
3: how do you opt out
4: yes mm. you've
0: got to get uh,
3: yeah, you you actually have to. It's like an active thing. You've got to get in touch mm. and make sure that you remove the things that you want to be removed before the date, which is October fifteenth. Okay. But, bear but I'm in not mind. sure what the
0: specifics are of how to do that. Well, like apparently, I don't know if have either of you ever been on New mm. Okay. So you know what it's like to call Centrelink and to be on the phone yes. for two hours and then to have the phone hang up on you. And yeah. So basically, it's that. Okay. Um, because everybody's trying to opt out at the same time. Mm, okay. So. Um apparently the internet is the easier way to do it. If mm-hmm. you have access to the internet, apparently it's quicker. Um, but then there are also some concerns because they use a Google intermediary um, for you to opt out. So I don't know how how much you're on this train, but if you care about Google, maybe call them. Yeah. Okay. If you've got time. All right. Yeah. Shall we kick it to a song?
3: Yes. All right. This is Erica Badu and it's oh. called Woo. Badu. That's and that was Erica Badu with a track called Woo. Such a good song, <laughs> An I <angel>. love it. <laughs>
0: and it loves you.
3: You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast at
0: 3CR. You are, and we are joined live in the studio now by Jeremy Poxon, who is a freelance journalist and the media officer for the Australian Unemployed Workers Union. Good morning, Jeremy. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming in so early. Um, Let's start with a bit of an overview of what the Australian Unemployed Workers' Union is and who it represents.
2: Yeah, essentially, the Australian Unemployed Workers' Union is a a voluntary-run organisation uh, that provides uh, a free service, basically built on a hotline. Uh, We operate Monday uh, through to Friday, where we basically provide Um, free advice and support, um, for Australia's growing number of unemployed and underemployed, uh, people.
0: Mm. So underemployed people can, uh, call as
2: well? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, if you're not working as much as you would like to, if you're, um, you know, if you're on Centrelink, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we do have a, you know, DSP officer, uh, for example. So, uh, for all those who, um, have a problem with their with their job agency, have a problem uh, finding work, or having issues uh, with their social security. Uh, they can come to us for advice
0: awesome so um, in last year 's budget, a demerit point system for new start recipients was announced mm-hmm. and it kicked in on the first of July this year. Can you talk us through this um, and what it means and how it operates?
2: Yeah, so the demerit point system kind of operates uh, like a traffic violation uh, system because uh, I guess the government thinks that uh, missing an appointment with your job agent is as dangerous and reckless as running a red light. Um, Basically, it's an eight-point punishment system where job agencies can issue uh, you uh, up to eight Uh, demerit points if they feel that you haven't uh, met uh, one of your compliance demands. So, um, for example, if you uh, fail to turn up to a job interview, fail to turn up to one of their meetings, Mm -hmm. um, fail to attend a work for the doll activity, uh, whatever it is, uh, they have the power to issue you one of these demerit points uh, which can suspend uh, your pay. Um, So, there's a lot in Uh, This new system uh, that's new and quite scary uh, for job seekers, as we know, uh, New START recipients um, are living well below the poverty line. We've heard a lot recently about how hard it is uh, to survive on payments, so the prospect of losing uh, those payments is very scary uh, for our members. Um, But really, what's new and alarming about this new demerit point system is it's giving uh, job agencies unprecedented powers um, to punish and decide um, and make these decisions for job seekers before July 1st, and this new system came in, um, Centrelink did have the power mm. to overturn any uh, job agency punishment that it deemed um, you know would cause undue financial stress mm-hmm. um, for Centrelink recipients. Uh, now Centrelink will lose a lot of those powers, so. To break it down even further, um, if you amass one to four uh, demerit points, as a job seeker you have no right to appeal um, those decisions. You basically just have to lump uh, the punishment. Moving on from there, if you amass between five and eight, Demerit points, that's when things get really serious. That's when um, you can lose 50 to 100% um, of your new start, and that's when you can uh, lodge an appeal um, to the department.
0: But it almost seems like it's too late. I mean, if you can't appeal the first four, which are the stepping stones, then even if you can appeal five, six, seven, eight, you've already got these four banked up behind you that you can't do anything about. Exactly. That's
2: that's the worrying part because um, we know know just through our hotline but also through um, the data that's available how many of these uh, punishments are proven to be unfair. There was this report that came out from the National Social Security Rights Network uh, that basically found that about 50% of job agency decisions uh, to punish Centrelink recipients were uh, found to be unfair and were overturned by Centrelink. So, you know, knowing this data, it's, you know, really staggering that um, the government has chosen to give this industry um, even more unregulated power to make these deci- make these decisions and... Um, really, um, you know, you're all, it's the individual inclination of specific job agents that can really determine your fate as well now more than ever. Um, so basically, if they deem that you don't have a reasonable excuse uh, to miss out on a, an appointment or obligation, uh, you will amass an, a demerit point. Um, one of the most notorious uh, parts of this, of course, is um, what's going to happen to Drug and alcohol afflicted mm. uh, job seekers. So, under this new reform, if you land up in hospital, say, because of a drug or alcohol related illness, that's that does not reasonably (scare quotes) exempt you mm. uh, from missing out on one of your uh, job seeker requirements, and you will be issued a, a demerit point. So, it's 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 pretty scary, grim stuff, really.
0: Yeah, and I guess what springs to mind is um, just logistically. Um, people for example living in rural remote Australia um, older Australians people who maybe can't always meet all of the these yep. things for you know totally reasonable not just like everyday life reasons are then put at risk um, without appeal rights which is the basis of our um, you know of our social services system mm-hmm. is that you can appeal decisions and that they're fair and transparent like how yeah it's just phenomenal that this is been allowed to happen. And
2: we, and we hear so many stories from, as you say, rural, um, you know, low income job seekers who, you know, for some of whom it's a, a multi hour journey yeah. to get into their job agency, some of whom, uh, struggle to afford petrol, struggle to, um, afford public transport, uh, to get to these, uh, get to these obligations and, and, and meetings, uh, so frequently and, yeah, losing this right. Um, of appeal, this sort of, which sort of, you know, should be the alienable right, um, of, of, of every Australian, mm. uh, citizen, really. So, um, you know, it's extremely, uh, concerning, uh, for us as a, you know, a very small voluntary run body who, um, is trying to hold, uh, job agents and, and government in this system to account. We essentially feel like we're doing <laughs> the government's job yeah. for it at this point where, all we're trying to do is, um, you know, try to regulate um, and hold this industry accountable. And unfortunately now um, that Centrelink's bowing out um, on holding this industry accountable to a great extent, it's now up to organisations like ours and vulnerable job seekers themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. And so just um, just finally, if if anybody's listening and they are receiving new stat payments or they might be receiving them soon and they're concerned Um, how can they get in touch with the AUWU? Yeah, the best
2: way is just to go onto our website, so www.unemployedworkersunion.com. There you can find um, all our information and who to call based on what uh, your problem may be. Another thing we're doing and advising job seekers to do, and you'll find that um, on the website, is um, to report any... Um, abuse, you may receive any unfair decision, especially for those people who have no other a- avenue mm. um, to appeal, um, because we do have a little form on our website and we do collect stories and we do present yeah. um, that to the government in, in hope that they might uh, reform and hopefully regulate what's proving to be a very... Uh, broken system.
0: I don't know. I had this really um, nice moment over the weekend where I thought to myself, "This is ripe for a legal challenge." Like this is. And. I just don't know how you get around it. But um, if any lawyers that are infinitely better at law than me are listening, <laughs> get it. Yeah, in touch. give us a yeah. call too. <laughs> We'd appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for joining yeah, us. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. guys. And are we going, to... George? Ooh.
3: Yes, yes, we can. We're still having those internet problems, but let's see how we go. Um, this track is by Tando, and it's a live session by from Baked Goods, and it's called What You Want. So that was Tando with a live version of What You Want. What an incredible voice. Mm-hmm. So powerful. All right, so we're going to jump into some community announcements Yay. now. <laughs> My favourite. Anya's excited.
0: <laughs> and apparently she's not being sarcastic.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Shocker. Thanks for the support. A <laughs> public meeting is being co-hosted by the Victorian Socialists and Victoria's Strongest Public Housing Resident Group, the Ath- Atherton Gardens Residents Association, or AGRA. ...to discuss the housing crisis, skyrocketing rents, wait lists for public housing and a rise in homelessness. It's called Build Homes, Not Prisons, and it refers to the $700 million new maximum security prison that will allegedly be built in Lara. Mm. So the Victorian socialists are calling for 50,000 new homes to be built by the government over the next five years... ...as well as other changes to housing policies such as a five-year freeze on private rents. That would be so good... Mm and 20% um, lowering of the cost of housing mandated for every new large development. The speakers include Hai Tran, President of AGRA, Mariki Onis, Gunayan Gudidjumara woman and leading Indigenous activist in Melbourne, Megan Fitzgerald from Smart Justice, who has been central in holding police to account for racial profiling, and Adan Omar, a community leader from the Collingwood Estate. And the event will be translated into several languages. Amazing. Yeah, so good. Um, It's this Wednesday, July 18th from 6pm. They suggest you get there as soon as possible to get a seat. It's at the Community Hall Atherton Gardens Estate on Brunswick Street in Fitzroy. Mm. Um, there will be a launch of a new digital story and film called Against the Odds, the, vic- the victory over conscription in World War I. Now, I've lost the next page of that, which was going to explain. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe we can, c- can come back to that event. Um, all right. All right. So next up is... Oh, sorry, it is here. My apologies. It's Sunday the 22nd of July from 2.30 to 4pm. It's at SiteWorks on Brunswick Street. Against the Odds tells the story of how diverse groups of individuals collectively defeated conscription during World War One and left a lasting legacy for Australia. It highlights the role of Brunswick and Coburg activists in the successful anti-conscription campaign. The film complements events organised by uh, the Brunswick-Coburg Anti-Conscription Commemoration Campaign to publicize this momentous period in local and national history. Sounds super interesting. If you're a history buff, Mm. you'd like to know more about that. Um, Smith Street Dreaming is back this Saturday, the 21st, from 1 to 5 p.m. Every year, I want to go to this event, and I always miss it. I'm determined to go this time. Let's go. Yeah, do you want to go? Yeah, Did you say Saturday? This Saturday. Okay. During the day. Love it. Maybe? Yeah. Yes? Let's do it. Yes. <laughs> um, so artists include Alice Skye, Dave Arden, and Band, Benny Walker, Birds, Jira Jira Dance Group, MC Lila, Gu, um, Guru Rui, and Indigenous Hip Hop Projects. So it sounds like it's going to be great. 1 to 5 p.m. this Saturday. Where is it? Um, Smith Street. Yes. Yes. Collingwood.
4: Oh, it's called Smith Street. Okay,
3: <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. but I probably should have specified that as well. You never know. <laughs>
0: can you just go and case. make yourself a coffee, please?
3: <laughs> um, I've got a couple more events, but I can save those for later in the show if we have time.
0: Yeah, no, It's more. all you can do for now. Yeah. yeah. All
3: right. These are two lectures, actually, that Monash University are giving. The first one, and they just sound fascinating. I think you'll all be... Uh, interested in these. The first is called Post-Feminism, Body Love and Selling Confidence to Women, a public lecture by Professor Rosalind Gill. Um, And so it's a really interesting idea about, it's called femvertising, which refers to a type of mainstream advertising practice that addresses women through discourses of empowerment, body love and self-esteem through examples including Dove, Nike and Always. So if you're interested in that.
0: Mm, It's such an interesting thing, isn't it? Harnessing feminism for capitalistic purposes. Yeah, yeah, definitely, mm.
3: and realizing how we might internalize some of those <sighs> sort of ideas.
0: I swear, I have never bought Dove since I realized what they do. What do they do? Well, they just like they they. You're laughing at me. <laughs> oh, forget no, it. I'm not laughing. I want oh, to okay. Know. <laughs> I mean, they leverage um they leverage people's desire to be feminists and interest in feminism right. to yep. sell more product, yep. and they're owned by a company who pillages developing nations and treats their employees dreadfully um, yeah. and is responsible for some of the worst wealth, wealth yeah. disparities in the world um, but so women can feel good about themselves if they buy a Dove soap. Yeah, like that's it's, extremely important.
3: And it's, not, it's yeah. almost like uh, they're two sides of the same coin because you have, you know, previously was the idea that you had to make women and girls feel sh- terrible. Mm, I was mm, going to swear then, <laughs> and saw um, that I didn't. Terrible <laughs> about themselves in order to sell products. Mm. Now with the rise of feminism, maybe that's why we're seeing the opposite. What they have to make women feel empowered about themselves yeah. in order to sell products.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like you can be your beautiful true self, but only if you wear Dove deodorant. Yeah. Like, seriously, get out of my face. Yeah,
3: yeah, totally. So this event is July 19th, 5pm to 6.30pm at Treasury Theatre, 1 Macaulay Street, East Melbourne. And the other lecture that I wanted to mention is a seminar. It's called Diversity and Inclusion, The Neoliberal Accommodation of Women and Feminism. Mm. There isn't a lot of detail about this event, but that title in and of itself sounds pretty fascinating. Um, it will feature Professor Zera Arat speaking on this topic. Um, and that it's on Friday the 20th of July from 12 p.m. to 1.30 p.m., at Monash University in the Menzies Building. Good old, good old Menzies Building. <laughs> and it's like, ooh. Oh, <laughs>
0: mm, Clayton.
3: <laughs> it's a heritage-listed building. Um, I, don't I just
0: mean it's any... No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you
3: seen it? <laughs> <laughs> I've got some classes in there next semester. Come on. Right. <laughs> no, I don't actually know if
0: that's true. Um,
3: <laughs> all right, so yes, as I said, Friday, 20th of July, 12 p.m.
0: Awesome. Mm. And that's
3: it. Oh that's no, it. That's it. Yeah. That's okay. I'm gonna play <laughs> an ad <laughs> I'm
0: gonna play an ad now for the Smith Street Dreaming Festival just in case we haven't hit you over the head with it
6: enough everybody. And the truth is the
5: Smith Street Dreaming Festival is coming soon. Smith Street Dreaming has become one of the area's most anticipated street festivals. This year we're featuring Dave Arden and Band, Alice Skye, Benny Walker. Thirds, the Jiri Jiri Dance Group and Indigenous Hip Hop Projects with MC, Layla Guruwiri from the Man Group Footy Show and much more. Smith Street Dreaming, corner of Smith Street and Stanley Streets, Collingwood. Saturday, July the 22nd, 1pm to 5 o'clock. Smith Street Dreaming, one street, many mobs, one community. Smith Street Dreaming is a drug and alcohol free event and... A 3CR
4: supporter
0: Welcome back to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio We are joined now on the phone by Jocelyn Bignold who is the Chief Executive Officer of Macaulay Community Services for Women Um, and she is joining us to talk about sexually transmitted debt Good morning Jocelyn Good morning. Thanks for joining us.
5: You're welcome. So maybe just to
0: set the scene for our um, listeners, could you give us a rundown of what Macaulay does in terms of service provision and um, the women that you help?
5: Yes, of course. We, we're considered a response organisation, so we work with hundreds of women and children every year to help them find the right accommodation and support they need to get back on their feet, after, particularly after an incident of family violence.
0: Okay. And so... Um, Obviously, our understanding, as in society's understanding of family violence, has expanded significantly in the last few years um, to encompass things like emotional abuse and, um, and abuse of children and that sort of thing as well. Um, and a significant part of that, which I think surprised a lot of people, was economic abuse or this idea of um, this sexually transmitted debt is, I suppose, the catchier term. Um, could you explain to us what, what that looks like in reality, what that is?
5: Yes, so economic abuse or um, financial abuse is a part of the range of um, tactics that perpetrators can use to keep, well, women particularly, um, in control. So it's a pattern of coercive controlling behaviour. And the way it manifests, the way that we've seen it manifest is things like, um, I'm thinking of an older woman who worked for years in the family small family business had five children and needed to scavenge in bins after work all day, Mm. um, because she didn't have, she wasn't allowed or she wasn't given access to the bank accounts to put enough food on the table for the family. So the scavenging in bins was a means of keeping everybody fed. Um, other, other women have talked about spending, you know, days, whole days going around different supermarkets shopping for specials because they've been given a very limited allowance, again, to feed a family. Um, So it keeps them on their toes. Um, Others threatening not to pay school fees, Mm. the method of control. Um, Moving money in and out of accounts. You know, One of the worst cases I heard was um, a woman going down, literally going down to buy some takeaway. And when she got there, all the money was moved out of her account. So she actually couldn't pay for the food that she was buying that night. And it's a means of humiliation, it's controlling um, those you know those are the sorts of tactics that are used.
0: Mm.
5: yeah, it's awful, and it I guess
0: it really um reinforces that inability that some people have to be able to leave because you know how how do you leave if you have no money or or your money is not in your control and that sort of thing um and i've heard stories about people you know doing things like racking up credit card debts or taking out loans in um in their partner's name um as a means of controlling people so like if you were to leave then you would be saddled with this debt sort of thing and yes yeah um
5: yes exactly and the, the west justice report that's soon to be released talks quite a bit of, in quite a bit of detail about how that all works mm-hmm. i think your point about um it's very difficult to leave because of financial abuse it's also a financial abuse is a means of getting women back. Mm. So if she's not accustomed to looking after her own finances or she is settled with debt when she leaves, um, it can be a means of, of her coming back because she's just not managing. Mm. Gosh, that's... Um, it really...
0: It's sort of... It, it. It's so obviously interrelated to so many other forms of violence and abuse within a relationship um it seems quite insidious that it, it um, hmm.
5: Yeah, it is quite prevalent and I think uh again the report makes the point that some of the financial abuse some of the more subtle forms of abuse happen earlier um in in that sort of trajectory of family violence. So it's not necessarily something that you pick up immediately. This is abuse. Mm. It might be, you know, might excuse him as, you know, he just likes to have control of the money or I'm not good at this anyway or, you know, so those, those sort of, that sort of self-talk can help mask what's actually going on.
0: Yeah. Um, and I, I would like to come back to that about identifying it and that sort of thing. Um maybe towards the end when we talk about what women can do if they're in this situation. Mm-hmm. But So you've, you've arranged a partnership with West Justice, which is a, an amalgamation of a number of community legal centres um, in the western suburbs of Melbourne. Um,
5: so what is this partnership? How does it work? What, um, what do you do? Yeah, so, I mean, I have to say they are brilliant. Um, they are providing a service that we can't do. So we've got a very skilled, experienced, uh, Caseworkers that work with women on housing, um, family reunification, legal—not legal, uh, legal stuff—immigration-related issues, you know, health. Quite a wide range of things that they assist women with. But what we need um, under this arrangement is the legal and financial advice. It's just a stretch too far for us. So we absolutely have to have the expertise that West Justice bring to the table. Uh and the partnership has worked really well. We've got a beautiful facility here in the West and it can happen in other places, but it's a safe place so women can sit and relax, you know, a cup of tea, they can take their time, um and in a you know, a few few short questions, a few short minutes to start the story starts to unfold. And I think one of the things that's um really obvious about this work to us as we see it is that we are already dealing with quite a bit of complexity, and then you start to unpick the financial and legal aspects, and that's complex in itself. So there's layer upon layer of complexity that needs to be unpicked, and it can be done. The results are outstanding. Mm.
0: What sort of results are you tra- are you talking about, like clearing of debts or of of helping women set up their own finances, or
5: well, clearing of debts primarily. So, um, in four months, 24 women were seen by the West Justice Clinics, supported by our team. Uh, I think of the 24 women, there are around about 42 children. So the intergenerational benefits here. Mm. And, um, you know, just one of the headlines, you know, the, the, uh, successes is $100,000 worth of money saved or debt saved from those 24 women. That's phenomenal. I just think too, um, of the, immense relief Mm. that um, can be felt by a $10,000 debt being relieved. You know, that some of this debt has been following women around for years. And, you know, the threat of legal action, the threat of criminal proceedings, the threat of um, not being able to stay stably housed, which can also mean that you might not be able to accommodate your children, so separation of children from mothers, these are all of the um, compounding impacts of living with this level of debt.
0: Mm. Jocelyn, I have goosebumps that is That is a phenomenal achievement um, and really, really important work um, so look if if women find themselves in this situation or if they're listening and they think, "Oh, this is sounding awfully familiar um, mm. what's your advice firstly, I guess for for identifying whether or not it's problematic, and then and how can women get help for this? What should they do? Yes,
5: and one point I'd like to make too is that this doesn't discriminate. It's not rich. I mean, this this um, women who are in wealthier situations or po- or poorer situations can all experience this um, form of violence. It's quite common. Um, I think one of the ways of identifying it is. Um, Whether or not, so if your partner is insisting on taking control, it's where when you're if you sit with yourself and feeling frightened or uncomfortable with the way things are, that would be a warning sign. So if you feel like you've been threatened or tricked or forced into something, you're feeling uncomfortable. It's probably worth then starting to talk to other people, saying, "Is this normal?" Um, yeah. Mm. there was sorry there was just something there that's gone and it'll come back to me Mm -hmm. there are there there are two I mean obviously if you're in if you feel like you're in immediate danger then you need to talk to the police but safe steps are also a great resource for testing whether or not what you're feeling is sort of what's in sort of normal range if you can say normal range Mm. um and uh, we're also happy to take calls as our West Justice for women to start looking at their legal situation.
0: Fantastic! Um, and I've, I'll put your um, your website up again on our Facebook group, three our, our Facebook page, um, so women can get in touch if they'd like to. Um, thank you so much for joining us this morning, Jocelyn, and all the best with this really important work. I hope it keeps going as well as it has.
5: Thank you very much, Anya.
0: So if um if you were listening to that and um and you think that you might like to talk to somebody about what you heard or what you're going through, please give WIRE a call the women's information and referral exchange. The number is one three hundred one three four one three zero. That's one three hundred one three four one three zero
3: so I actually work at WIRE, and I just wanted to add some... That was a fantastic interview. Um, most of the... Almost... I think there's been some research done economic on economic abuse, which is actually quite a recent thing in terms of understanding what mm-hmm. it is. And it is very difficult to get proper information about it because, as I think it was sort of mentioned in that interview, a lot of people that experience it might not know that they're experiencing it. Yeah. But some studies that have been done, and I think this one was... Uh, in Australia showed that between seventy eight and ninety nine percent of women who have sought help from family violence services have experienced economic abuse. Mm. So it's massive. Why actually has specific services On this, because it is such a big issue, they actually do training, so if you want to become more informed about your finances, they Mm. actually have little courses on it. And on their website, they have a page about money, which has some resources, and there's also another website called womentalkmoney.org.au, which is also really excellent. So Mm. there are a lot of things being done within different services to kind of
0: give people more information about it, which is great to see. I wonder, um, like while Jocelyn was talking, I was thinking about banks and I wonder what... I remember reading something that the NAB was trying to do something in this area. I just can't remember what, but I wonder how, you know, from that structural end, things could be kind of strengthened.
3: Yeah, I mean, sometimes um, you can get debt kind of waived or whatever with a mm-hmm. bank if they know what your situation is. I've had callers that have done that in the past.
0: I mean, even before that point, though, like I, I wonder about people taking loans out in somebody else's name or, mm. or having only one person in control of accounts. I, I just, yeah. Yeah,
3: as a warning mm. sign. of Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm sure that would be like a really good approach because mm. there's so many people along the way that would be able to recognise that something yeah, exactly. abusive might be happening. Yeah, So if, if people were trained and aware of that and could kind of step in, mm. yeah, that would be a really, a really useful thing to do.
0: Interesting. Might look into that a bit more. For our lovely listeners mm. i think we're about to go to another interview but maybe we'll just play a couple of community announcements first and we will be right back on tuesday breakfast do you want to learn new skills
3: and open new career opportunities Ames Australia is a leading education provider offering government funded courses in general English, aged care and work skills. Courses start in July so call 13 26 37 now to sign up today or go to ames.net.au for more information. Ames Australia is a registered training organisation. TOID 0590. Ames Australia is a 3CR supporter.
4: Good morning, welcome back to 3CR Tuesday Breakfast. You're joined by Lauren, George and myself, Anya. Next up, we're going to be talking to Debbie Kilroy, founder of Sisters Inside, an independent community organisation which advocates for the human rights of women in the criminal justice system. Hi Debbie, thank you for joining us. Good morning. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about Sisters Inside and the work you do? Sure.
1: Sisters
4: Inside um, is an independent non-government
1: organisation which exists to advocate for the human rights of women and girls in the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. So we do so alongside women in prison. So basically what that means is we're an organisation, a grassroots organisation that started when I was in prison and when mm-hmm. released, mm-hmm. Um, came back into the prison and the long term of life is we started Sisters Inside and we've been going ever since.
4: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're
1: driven very much so by women in prison. We still meet monthly with our board members Mm -hmm. um, inside the prison Mm -hmm. Um, we have a committee in there Mm -hmm. of women in prison and meet monthly with them um, Mm -hmm. and um, they're the management of the
4: organization that's amazing um let's talk about the the recent media announcement um, by the queensland government um their decision to open a new private women's prison to be run Mm -hmm. by circle um -hmm. which is very harmful on so many levels but let's break it down further firstly what are your thoughts on private prisons
1: well, you know, we as a community, um, if we want prisons, mm. um, prisons must then be run uh, by the government.
3: Mm.
1: As soon as we outsource them, if you like, to mm. corporations, um, then it becomes that people who are criminalised and in prison become a commodity for sale. Mm. And therefore the corporation needs more bodies uh, to increase their profits or to maintain their business. Mm. where if a prison is in a public domain, we would hope that um, their policy would be to reduce numbers of those criminalised in prison, not increase
4: mm. the numbers. So there's obviously a financial incentive for private prisons to keep the beds full, in a way.
1: There's absolutely yeah. a financial incentive, for sure. Mm. And then people, the most marginalised, disadvantaged, and particularly Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, mm. become the commodities or the units per cost that are incarcerated.
4: Yeah, and what what are your thoughts on this sort of aggressive criminalisation and institutionalisation of women in particular?
1: Well, it, we know that women, and particularly Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women or mm. Aboriginal and more so, are the fastest group within the prison population that is growing um, the most, and that's not an Australian issue, it's a Western world issue, it's an issue where there's predominantly Indigenous cultures, so Canada, New Zealand. In the US we're seeing it, but more so um, where there's more Indigenous people, Canada, Mm -hmm. New Zealand here, and Aboriginal women are the fastest growing group that are being incarcerated Mm. across those jurisdictions.
4: Mm. And and how... Um, obviously it's going to be really harmful to them but in what ways do you think it particularly affects Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women in particular
1: Well we have um, we live in a country that was colonised, that was stolen from the first peoples of this country Um, and what we've seen then is Aboriginal people being pipelined into uh, state castle systems whether it's so-called child protection, the youth prison system, and the adult prison system. Mm. Um, like we've seen, particularly the parallels um, with slavery for African American people in the U.S. Mm. that came out of slavery and, and pipelines into the prison system. So we see the same here, the parallels um, as well as Canada, because Canada also has a very the highest rate of mm. Aboriginal women. In their um, federal prison system. Mm. So we see the same. And so we see the destruction of family units, the destruction of community, um, and the destruction of individuals. Um, you know, the women who are highly traumatised that come across all those carceral mm. um, structures in their lives, uh, structural systems in their lives. So the damage, you know, that the state is doing is um, sometimes can never be repaired.
4: Mm. And the intergenerational trauma that that keeps going. Yeah, the
1: intergenerational trauma from colonisation. You know, we we live in a country that was stolen from the rightful owners.
4: Yeah, yeah. And it's really um, interesting, by interesting I mean awful, um, that um, information about Canada because, you know, it's usually seen as this really progressive, beautiful country with, um, you know, the the country that every other country wants to be, um, and yet they keep pushing the Indigenous people under the bus.
1: Um, Well, that's right. You know, look, it depends how much money government want to spend on marketing. And and Canada has spent, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars on mm -hmm. marketing how good their system is, how good they are. But you scratch the surface and speak to those on the ground and speak to those who are living, um, you know, or have lived the prison experience. You know, the reality and the parallels are absolutely mirroring from, you know, Australia and Canada. Mm. and also New Zealand for that matter
4: yeah yeah um and this um this Queensland government's decision to to open the private pr- women's prison um what can our listeners do to push back against this arrangement what what should we be doing well we've asked
1: and called on um, for people to write to the Premier mm-hmm. and to the Minister, Mark Ryan, who's the Minister of Prisons, mm. to actually reverse the decision to not move women mm. out to Gatton, which is 94 kilometres away from um, Brisbane, so a couple of hours. It has no public mm. transport. Mm. Um, women will be absolutely isolated uh, in the doom docks of Gatton, um mm. under the management of Serco, so, you know, that would even increase the secrecy even more because of commercial incompetence. Mm. And, you know, it could even be a situation where organisations like ourselves that actually speak out could actually be banned from access to to support women there because we actually speak out against it. So Mm. we need to call on the government to reverse the decision Mm. that we need to work with, you know, what we have now, the resources that we have now, which is plenty to actually get women out of prison not open a new prison mm. because the women's prison is a bit overcrowded.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And that point about being banned from, from potentially um, doing anything in that space, I guess that's one of the issues of having a private prison, that the contract is so tightly regulated that they could put those clauses in if necessary. Is that is Well, that's right. right. They, yeah. they
1: call the shots. So, you know, yeah. they will uh, deem who is welcome and who is not welcome mm. in that prison system. And, you know, we know abuses happen in the um, public system, but, I mean, we also know that the abuses in the private system are worse. When you mm-hmm. look at Serco's record, particularly in Yarswood and UK, mm-hmm. you know, like even women there in the, their detention centre that's run by Circo have gone on hunger strikes. Well, we know women don't traditionally protest, but when women are, are protesting in a way to, um, you know, for a hunger strike, we know that it's very serious the allegations that they are raising, sexual assault, rape, physical assaults So, you know, we have the possibility that this is going to be the same here mm. and we need to be aware of that and we need to call on this government, this Labor government, mm. who prides itself on leaving women
4: mm.
1: um, to actually reverse this decision.
4: Absolutely. Um, and just before we wrap up debbie um, I just have one final question so instead of throwing women in prison and you know locking them up and throwing yeah. away the key what do you what should the government be doing to support them
1: well we know who's in prison um, mm. you know aside from the law and order fear campaign which is not a reality um, mm. the women who are in prison are the most marginalized and disadvantaged women who are the most impoverished who mm. are the have the most higher levels of mental health, who are homeless um, and who have drug and alcohol addictions because of previous trauma of rape, sexual assault, physical physical violence, family violence. So this is what we must address in our community at the front end. So women aren't criminalised because they are poor and disadvantaged Mm -hmm. and marginalised. We need services in the community to support women and their children so they're not separated and, like I said, not criminalised and then pipelined into the prison system. Mm -hmm. Because we know once the prison system gets its hooks into us, um, we continue to go back. And right now, 74% of Aboriginal women Mm -hmm. that are in our prison system have been in the prison system before. It's an absolute fundamental Mm -hmm. failure. And here we are, a government that's propping up the prison industry with even more resources, taxpayers' mm. money, mm. with such a failure rate. Any other business, if you like, or any mm. other service if it had a seventy-four percent failure rate would be shut down. Yeah. No, what we do with prisons is keep pouring more and more money down the throat yeah. of um, the prison industry.
4: Mm. It doesn't even make economic sense, even if you think. No, about it that way. that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you it's so much for, for joining us, Debbie. That was that was great, and um, we'll post um, about this on our Facebook page as well and all the best with Sisters Inside
0: Thank you So um, I'm sure that everybody listening is now just feeling like disgusted and outraged Mm. so I would like to go to a song Um, Before that I just
4: want to plug the Law and Advocacy Centre for Women Mm. um, for Women here in Melbourne they're based in Carlton and they do amazing work. They do a lot of amazing legal work, but also um, have great referral systems for support services and all that. And they can be contacted on nine double
0: four eight eight nine three zero. This song is dedicated to George Maxwell. who has recently started discovering women in hip hop in a huge way. We are listening to Lady Lesher. Um, I was listening to Hip Sister Hop on Sunday, which I highly recommend if you are just like if you like good radio. I think it's Sundays at four PM on three C R and she played this song and for once it's a hip hop song with no swearing in it. So enjoy everybody. Lady Lesher with On My Way. Oh
6: hip-hop blues reggae jazz opera roots curry or world music you're into 3cr's music menu is serving it up to you
5: you're with music sans frontier music from around australia and around the world
0: good afternoon everybody and welcome to another edition of great voices
5: you're listening to Hip sister hop on 3cr 855 am
6: music matters on 3cr 12 noon every friday Keep these diverse tunes on the air by subscribing to 3CR. Call 9419 The newspapers shout, a new style is
0: growing.
3: And we're back at Tuesday Breakfast. So there was a few things I forgot to mention in community announcements and in my news headlines because there's so much going on, both in terms of events and news going on in the world. Um, A really big thing, and we should have mentioned it because, of course, intersectional program um, is that, you know, a feminist program, obviously, Queensland is soon to overturn 19th century abortion laws. So, these, so abortion, you know, as I'm sure many people are aware, in Queensland has been a jailable, jailable offence since 1899. Of Thank God. It. But they, that soon may change with government-backed legislation to, to decriminalise the procedure going to parliament next month. And it's estimated... Um, that, you know, h- hundreds of women in Queensland travel thousands of kilometres to undergo abortion, um, and in this article on the ABC it says that the state is twice the size of Texas. It's interesting, <laughs> relevant <laughs> comparison. Yeah. Um, and so it's a really long journey, and who wants to make a journey like that when, you know, you're having to go through something like getting an abortion? But what something that concerned me reading this article is that Um, The recommendations, you know, which say that abortion should be available for up to 22 weeks, but it also says that doctors are allowed to refuse to perform procedures on moral grounds. So Mm, I'm not quite sure mm -mm. how you unpack that. But anyway, some progress positive. Mm. Um, The other thing that we wanted to mention is, of course, uh, the protest for an event um, of alt-right activists Lauren Southern and Stephen Molyneux Concerning like can I just staff. say
0: alt right activist, way too too
3: too nice like to
0: yeah, way to water it down yeah. like that 's not, that's not what they are, yeah,
3: I think we need a whole like i 've actually been I really wanted to understand what their arguments were, so I got I started reading all these articles about oh, from them, and I watched these because they're YouTube sensations. Mm, now you need trauma therapy. But I think we need a whole segment on the show to actually unpack it because there is a lot going on in their arguments.
0: Okay, let's do it next week. Yep. We'll have a, when we we'll have time. Alt news.
3: But the event is this Friday, the twentieth of July at five thirty p.m. Location to be announced. Okay, so, so really this is important. run by the Campaign
0: Against Racism and Fascism. Yeah, um, in. The NAM branch? Yes. Yeah.
3: Um, and the last thing that we wanted to mention is before I was speaking about an event, the uh, launch invitation against the odds, the victory over conscription in World War I. And we had a caller that just wanted to know what those details were again. So I know I'm a bit, <laughs> I rush through things. I think I don't uh, speak very clearly. Um, So sorry about that. But it's this Sunday, the 22nd of July, 2.30 to 4 p.m. at Siteworks on Brunswick Street. And it has disability access and limited car parking. So this Sunday, 22nd of July. And if you want to find the details of that event, it's on labourhistorymelbourne.org on that website. Awesome. Yes. So, who are you speaking to now? So, on the line we have Evan Dorian, who is the drummer from Tangents, um, which is, of course, a band with Shoeba Mud, who we're all a big fan of here at Tuesday Breakfast. Um, and uh,
6: awesome. The- <laughs> day, Evan. Hi. <laughs> uh, how are you guys?
3: Yeah, we're really good. How are you going?
6: Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, just um, awake and, yes. you know, getting ready for another day.
3: Yes, great. How's it been being <laughs> down in Melbourne?
6: Well, we're not, I'm not there yet. Oh right. So,
3: right.
6: Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm in Sydney right now. But oh, I did okay. come down to play to play with Show the other the other week, which was lovely. Just yes, last week, in fact. Okay.
1: Right?
3: Yeah.
6: Um, right. But, but yeah, I'm uh. We're in Sydney. We we fly in on Thursday morning for, for on that the, first on the gig, day of so. your gig
3: at the gasoline, yep. Ah, cool. Yep. <laughs> um, just so as a little intro for our listeners, if they haven't heard of you, um, so I was just reading online. You know the way that uh, different websites, music websites, describe your group, and you've been compared to yeah. Can and Fortet, You've been described as an experimental supergroup, um, and also yeah. as post-genre, post-rock, post-jazz, post-electronic, post-electronic post—just about everything. So it's pretty complimentary um, descriptions there. Yeah, look, we've
6: had we've had some nice responses. For for the album,
3: yeah,
1: and
6: um, I, I think somebody along the way came up with this "post everything" <laughs> tagline, which yeah. which we all feel a slight embarrassment about, <laughs> but uh, you know <laughs> that's fine. We'll, we'll we'll go with it. I mean, um, it, fit,
3: it fits when you listen to the music. You know, it's it's hard to kind of peg. Yeah, yeah.
6: <laughs> Look, I think uh, yeah, I, I think I, I think that's partly true. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, like you know, we're definitely <clears throat> something doesn't come from nothing. So, you know, we have we have influences, et cetera. But, yeah. um, well, of course, we're trying to, I mean, it is it is experimental music. It is supposed to be, you know, somewhat progressive. So, um, yeah, post everything, you know, maybe. <laughs> in fact, maybe, maybe is a good, a good way to describe everything. the music. <laughs> yeah.
3: So, <laughs> yeah, and in terms of the creative process, so improvisation is a big part of it, right? And your first two records... Uh, were recorded in single settings. Can you tell us a bit about that, and did you use a similar approach with your new album, New
6: Bodies? Yeah, well we, so we, we really started as like an... We didn't really form as a band. It just kind of happened. Like, we played a, a, an improvised gig, and then um, that was recorded because we have members in the band who are, are diligent like that, not me, and <laughs> they keep records of things. And so we recorded that, um, and then that became our, our first little release. And then actually the second release was more improvising, but we did a sort of a a, a strange process, which is we we improvised separately at first with our our computer wizard guy, Ollie, kind of recording us. And then he was was sort of post-processing us, chopping us up and recomposing things. Um, And then after that, we did a few more layers. And so it was kind of a a strange combination of improvising, but also quite a, a studio process. And having lots of, um, uh, sort of electronic interventions from, from Ollie and, and from that, he, he bringing this sort of computer musician approach to it. Mm. Um, and New Bodies this this latest one. Excuse me. It's really like, it's really a combination of both of them. We, but this time we, we went into a, a lovely studio and we, we improvised for a, a day basically and we got hours and hours of music. Um, and then we, and then we sort of, We went, we combed through that and found the good stuff. Well, the the stuff that we feel represents what we, what we want to sound like, I guess. Yeah. And then, uh, and then some of that process of, um, having that post-production or that, um, manipulation of, of what we've done, um, happened after that. So it's kind of a combination. It's kind of like improvising, um, we had a few tunes that we did sort of play to or like work from. Uh, when we were in the studio but mostly it's it 's sort of just exactly what happened in the moment, and then some sort of additional tweaks and things to get to get it to sound how you want it to yeah and to sort of go go extra places that aren 't quite possible always
3: yeah it's um, it's really impressive you know, just playing live yeah it's 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 so impressive mm. in terms of like you can really um as a listener, you get a sense of the technical difficulty when you are doing that kind of music. That's uh, where you're improvising, and uh, like I'm, a, I'm an aspiring drummer, and as someone who is awesome. just starting from the beginning, I can really hear and appreciate that that difficulty, difficulty, especially in the in the drumming. Like in Terracotta, the rhythm is, you know, fantastic, like very quick tempo. And I just want to know, do you have an extra arm? Like, how does how do you actually achieve <laughs> that? I just I don't understand.
6: <laughs> um. I don't have an extra arm, but I do. I do have Ollie, which who is playing some stuff. You know, he's he, in a lot of ways he's kind of like a second drummer. You know, there's a because he he really he comes from a a breakbeat background, I guess, um, and chopping up samples and things like that. So sometimes there's there's definitely an extra layer in there that's uh, that's not necessarily me playing drums. You know, um, and I, I'm a big fan of that and a big fan of music uh that uses like electronics or or computer um uh, programming to kind of make it a bit ambiguous as to exactly how much of it is being played um and how much of it uh, isn't or is is programmed and especially like I love the idea of the computer coming up with uh with with patterns or beats that that I just wouldn't do intuitively on on the drum set because the drums have sort of like a a particular physical uh, thing, reality that you have to deal with, um, like having four limbs, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the computer will kind of, it'll make you, it'll make patterns that, that just aren't that natural to play, um, uh, as long as they sound, because it will keep them. Um, so yeah, that that kind of combination of the two things I think is what makes a big a big thing for Tangents. It really really makes it kind of yeah. um, exciting for me.
3: Yeah, that's awesome. It's 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 so sick. And so we might just wrap up in a second so we can actually play one of your songs in its entirety. Uh, but just cool. quickly, um, are there any underlying themes to the album?
6: Well, look, it's mostly about like we were discussing kind of you know what is our what is our approach overall. And this this record's definitely more I'm gonna say emotional than the last record. Um it's instrumental music so you know there's there's quite a bit of ambiguity in terms of um, you know, that there aren't lyrics that kind of really guide you through all the meanings. Um but look it's one of it's one of openness and uh a sort of a, a spirit of improvisation and, and being in the moment. But especially I think for us just trying to see uh where we can take the music. So I, I think progressive is probably the best the best word for it. Not as in prog, because <laughs> not so much that. Yeah. But as in just trying to see if we can push forward a little yeah. bit within all, within ourselves in a lot of ways.
3: Yeah, awesome. And so yeah. your upcoming gig is at the Gasso this Thursday night,
6: is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh nine, on the nineteenth on Thursday and there's also a second night on the twentieth. Um and there's some There's some incredible uh, supports that we have, so it's going to be
3: lots of fun. Awesome. Sounds great. Thank you so much for joining us, Evan. I've picked Terracotta to play. Do you think that's an appropriate choice?
6: That's a good choice,
3: yeah. Sick. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much.
6: Okay.
3: All right, so we're going to actually wrap up the show, um, and thank you to all of our guests Mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. It's been a great, great program. Um, So this is Tangents, uh, a song from their new album. It's called Terracotta.